honest man, but Johanna fell in love. He kept saying the man dealt a bad hand. So deep in the night, when all the world is quiet, someone came and took her lover's life. Ghoulish day to each of you. Thank you for stopping by and making Paranormal Prowlers podcast part of your day. It's greatly appreciated. Those tunes you just heard, as always, are courtesy of my pal Bobby Mackey, and I'm your host, Tessa Morrow. The woman, she stands there, all in black, her skirt swaying in the wind dancing like it has a mind of its own. She sighs and wipes her cheeks as it's wet from tears. Her whole life has been turned upside down. Her beloved husband, dead, a freak accident claiming his life. She is suffering from a severe loss, yet the neighbors are anything but neighborly. No casseroles for this woman. The locals, they're keeping their distance. What is it about this woman where people are avoiding her like the Black Plague or Yellow Fever or, mm, these days, the Rona? (laughs) Let me introduce you, the Wicked Witch of Monroe. What do you think of when you hear the word witch? The Wizard of Oz or how about Angelica Houston and the witches or Hocus Pocus? Or how about the witch trials? While most jumped to Salem right away, there are other locations that had witch trials as well. And just like Salem, had very real and very public executions. For instance, Connecticut had at least 11, possibly 16 people hanged for familiarity with the devil. And this was 30 years before those kids started throwing accusations each and every way in Salem, resulting to several people being executed. Yup, Salem Witch Trials occurred in 1693, while the witch trials in Connecticut took place in 1663. Some, however, even earlier. The first to be put to death in Connecticut was Alice Young. She was actually the first recorded execution for witchcraft in the 13 American colonies. She was hanged in May of 1647. Records provide that around this time that several parts of New England, including Windsor, Connecticut, where Alice and her family lived, were hit hard with an influenza epidemic. It would claim several lives, including many children. Many would point the finger at this woman, Alice. It wasn't the flu, but this dreadful woman. You will not see your children grow, hear them laugh, watch them play because of this woman, this vile, wicked witch. It's believed she was hanged at the old state house in Hartford, Connecticut, as the governor announced that, quote, one of Windsor arraigned and executed at Hartford for being a witch. Unquote. It was then confirmed that Alice Young was indeed hanged that very same day. This was just the first of several of what would be known as the Connecticut Witch Trials, also known as the Hartford Witch Trials. Here, there was a total of 37 cases. 11 got death, legally hanged in public. 
This started with, as we know, Alice Young back in 1647, and it would end 23 excruciatingly long years later with the release of Katherine Harrison. While Alice was the first to die in Connecticut, and who knows if she was even a witch, it was a woman named Mary Johnson, a pregnant house servant, who confessed to being a witch. In 1648, she was accused of theft. During interrogation, she was tortured, where she admitted to being a witch, to familiarity with the devil. That's not the only thing she confessed, though. She also says that she had sexual relationships with, get this, men and devils. (laughs) And to murdering a child. She was found guilty, but she had a little longer to live on earth due to the fact that she was pregnant. Once the baby was born, she was swung right up into eternity or down. Catherine Harrison was a maid servant, and soon she became a widow, and she became wealthy after inheriting her late husband's estate worth 1,000 pounds. Now remember, this is back in the 1600s. That's a crap load of pounds right there. It wasn't long before Catherine would be accused of being a witch. The accusation list was long and growing by the minute as people continued to cluck like little hens. (laughs) Supposedly, she was fortune-telling, practicing black magic, breaking the Sabbath, appearing in spectral form to unsuspecting folk, calling the devil, conjuring him from the swamp, I mean, really, who knows if any of this was true, right? However, one woman's accusation towards her was, and this is just so hilarious, Harrison spun so great a quantity of fine linen yarn that she did never know nor hear of any other woman that could spin so much. It's like, oh my God, how dare thou? (laughs) Like, come on, if that's all you have. Oh boy. So the first trial can never reach a decision if she was indeed guilty or innocent. While the second trial actually found her guilty, but the judge disagreed due to the lack of evidence. So she was released and became a free woman in 1670, but she was banished from the Connecticut colony. Her and her family relocated to New York, which was no sweat off her hump because they were planning to move there to New York even before she was accused and locked up, before all this witch business happened. The others who were accused and executed were Mary Barnes, husband and wife Nathaniel and Rebecca Greensmith, husband and wife John and Joan Carrington, Mary Sanford, Lydia Gilbert, good wife Knapp, and good wife Bassett. While all these people dealt with slander and accusations, some just too bizarre, like the yarn thing, come on now, and went to trial and ultimately were hanged, none of them was the Wicked Witch of Monroe, who I'm going to talk about right now. I just wanted to give a tiny bit of history due to the fact that, that this did take place in Connecticut and way before Salem Witch Trials. The year is 1783, 120 years after the Connecticut witch trials. Hannah is born. Her life is a mystery, really. However, it's her death and the time coming up to her death that she remains 
a legend. A eerie, witchy legend, my pretties. Hannah Mary's captain, Joseph Hovey. They live happily and merrily on Cragley Hill. Present day, it's Cutler's Farm Road. Near their home was a rather large rock, and on the rock was etched what looked like a cloven foot, the mark of the beast. Was Hannah involved with Satan? Word got around about this cloven foot scratched into the rock, and many believed that she was indeed a witch. Trust her? They certainly did not. One day, her husband died rather unexpectedly. It was a routine of the captains taking a nightly stroll, something innocent, something safe, right? I mean, people do it all the time. And this night was no different for him. It's during this everyday activity that Captain Joseph Hovey becomes disoriented and he falls to his death right off a cliff. Now, this is an area he'd been to every single day. You know, he knew there was a cliff there. Word got around about this freak accident of a death and the locals had a hunch that none other than the widow, Hannah Hovey, had a hand in her late husband's death. Once her husband was out of the picture, she became this eccentric soul. She changed her name from Hannah Hovey to Hannah Crana. Whenever she was seen out and about, she was always in black clothing, her black skirt flowing with the wind. She lived in the woods by herself. Rumor is that snakes guarded her property. Eccentric indeed. People were intimidated by Hannah Crana. That's what she wanted, though. She thrived on that. She got off on it. Where a lot of people would be like, like, what the hell? Why do people hate me? What's going on? What am I doing? What vibes am I throwing out there? She, oh, she intentionally was doing things to just drive people crazy. Being the old, crazy, eccentric woman that everyone feared. She had a pet rooster named Old Boreas. He would only cock-a-doodle-doo at midnight. Things would happen to people who crossed paths with her or who taunted her or upset her or inconvenienced her in any slight possible way, big or small or tiny, itty bitty. She was also somewhat of a bully. She would do things such as demand free food and firewood from her neighbors. She wouldn't give anything in return, mind you. She just expected things. If they didn't do what she demanded, she would threaten them. And it wasn't just her neighbors who would have to deal with this bullshit. Legend has it that one time an avid fisherman caught the catch of a lifetime. And guess what? It was on her property line. Oh, she cursed him, yelling, curses upon you and your fishing. He never caught another fish again. And another time, two men driving a wagon via oxen stopped in front of her home and challenged her, asking her for a magical display. Her reply, Before you pass yonder tree, your wish shall be granted. Well, you know, the men laughed at her. Ha ha ha! Taunted her. And as they tried to go along their merry way, their oxen refused to move. And at that same time, every single will came off of that carriage. And... Yet another encounter, one of her neighbors, an avid pie baker, said no to Hannah when she demanded to be given one of her lovely baked pies. She eventually said yes and gave her a smaller pie. Seeing since she lived alone, 
But then Hannah Crana was not happy with the smallish insult of a pie. She asked for a larger pie, and the frustrated neighbor said no. Oh, no you don't. No you don't indeed. And the livid wicked witch of Monroe cursed the baker. She told her neighbor, who was a farmer's wife, If you know what's good for you, you'll give me that pie. Legend has it that baker was never able to bake successfully again. She also supposedly helped people. But, of course, when it came to Hannah, my, 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 nothing was for free. Everything had a price tag on it. Every single favor. One time a desperate farmer came knocking at her door, begging her for help. They had been dealing with a drought for several weeks, and his crops, they were dying. That was his livelihood. He was in trouble. The haggard elderly woman agreed to send rain his way, but she asked him for his soul. And the farmer, he was just so eager and wanting rain. He was so desperate, the man pledged his soul right then and there to the Wicked Witch of Monroe. It rained that night. And the farmer's harvest was hardy, rich, and bountiful. He couldn't have been more pleased. Several incidents, or shall I say encounters, like this occurred, and people started pointing the fingers, screaming witchcraft and whatnot. She was arraigned on charges of consorting with the devil, but the case never went to trial. I mean, when you're asking for someone's soul in exchange for a favor, hmm, yeah, I don't know, that's kind of weird to me. But luckily for Hannah Crana, this was in the mid-1800s and not a couple hundred years earlier, or she likely would have been hanged. It's believed that after a heavy snow, a neighbor of Hannah's found her looking quite, let's say, done for. It turns out that her beloved rooster, Boreas, has, as my grandpa used to say, cashed in his chips, croaked, sayonara, died, deceased, no more, made his last cockadoodle do. Yeah, 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 shut up. Hannah Crana told her neighbor, The spirits have called, and it won't be but a short time before I will be in the great beyond. For some reason, it's like she knew that once the rooster was out of the picture, that was her familiarity, she too would pass shortly afterwards. I've heard of this with spouses and what have you, but a rooster? Really? She had instructions for when she died. I have a wish to make that must be carried out. I am not to be buried until after sundown, and there must be ample bearers to carry my coffin from the house to the grave. Obey my wishes if you wish to avoid trouble and vexation. Hmm, kind of demanding coming from the woman who took pleasure in placing curses on people and stealing souls and taunting them. She died the following day. Yes, the day after Boreas the rooster died, Hannah Crana died. The Wicked Witch of Monroe is dead. Unfortunately, with the snow being so deep, it was impossible for the townsfolk to respect her wishes. It was just way too hard for them to carry her body that far of a distance. So to make things easier on the old backs, they put her coffin in the back of a sleigh and they started off to their destination, the graveyard. Shortly into the trek, the coffin falls off the sleigh. 
kind of scared and intimidated. It's off-putting, you know, this coffin just like flies off. The people put the coffin back in place and a few people decide, hey, I'm going to sit on this thing. You know, I'm going to sit on top of it, adding weight to it and praying it won't fall again. Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, it's not going to fall again, right? Well, they soon start toward the graveyard again, but soon the coffin starts to shake uncontrollably. Not only did this terrify the people sitting on top of the coffin, but it threw them off violently. The people, they had enough. Not wanting to chance the possibility of indeed being cursed, they carried the coffin to the graveyard. At this time, the sun had already gone down and the wicked witch of Monroe, she was buried. Once the deed was done, the neighbors go back to town only to find Krana's house completely engulfed in flames. The fire, it burned for several days. And it was shortly after the inferno that people started hearing sounds coming from the ruins of the former home. Mm. Moans and unexplained sounds. Some people have even claimed to have seen her apparition not too far from where she eternally lies. Well, folks, you know, tomorrow I drive back to North Carolina close to 2,000 miles, where I will be for the winter, and I have several phenomenal people I plan on doing episodes with. Do you or someone you know have spooktendous stories to share and want to appear in an episode? Throw an email my way at paranormal.prowlers.podcast at gmail.com, or find me on Twitter at paraprowlers or Facebook via Paranormal Prowlers. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Yes! Haven't heard every single one yet? Oh, baby, baby, please don't cry. You can binge listen right now by hitting up any of the podcast platforms like Spotify, Pocket Cast, CastBox, Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts. Wherever you may roam to listen to your other phenomenal podcast, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers podcast lurking somewhere in the background. This week's special city shoutouts go to... <clears throat> oh, my bad. I'll leave the singing to the people that are actually good at it. This week's special city shoutouts go to... Newcastle, Oklahoma. Strathroy, Canada. Warren, Pennsylvania, Stoke-on-Trent, England, and Perryville, Maryland. Thank you so much wherever you are for listening. It is awesomely appreciated. See you next Monday for the newest episode. And don't forget to binge listen now to the other episodes. See you next week.